0: Alright, welcome everybody to Screen Facts with Jason Davis. This is episode 16 of the podcast and I'm really psyched because I have joining me on this podcast my best friend in the world, my brother from another mother. Yes. He was actually uh, the best man at my wedding, even. I was at least a mediocre man at the wedding. No way, man. You were the best man, for sure. And Thanks, I've, been, I've been dying to have you on the podcast, so I'm really psyched that you're here finally. Very
1: happy to do this. This is going to be great.
0: My good pal, Tim Donnelly. Hey, Welcome. everybody out there in
1: podcast land. <laughs> no, I'm really looking forward to this. This is going to be a lot of fun.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So um, we'll get to the movie in a second. Before we get to that, I, I want to talk a little bit about our history and-, and how we became friends. And Because this movie is really about friendship. Yes, So uh, it seems fitting that we talk about our friendship a little bit before we get started with the movie. Agreed. So so,
1: uh, let's talk about how I met you first. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) It's kind of a cool story, I think. Yeah. We first met, you DJed a party for me. But I don't think you and I really hit it off until another party that we sort of did together. I did uh, the karaoke and you did the DJing work. Nobody was dancing, nobody was <laughs> singing. Uh, you know, some some wealthy lakeside mansion someplace, and so you and I just kind of took to entertaining each other.
0: We've been entertaining each other ever since, right? Right. <laughs> you used to host karaoke in a couple of restaurants and things, yeah. And, and I used to come out and hang with you and sing, and we used to have a good time with that. And when people got on your nerves, as, I was kind of as, your as they wingman, so I often it. do well you know anytime you're working with the public in that kind of capacity there's potential for you know especially if there's alcohol
1: involved just a little bit yeah
0: <laughs> but yeah so and and we've um, become really good friends over the years because you know we have a lot of stuff in common particularly yep. our love of movies definitely and for the most part we have pretty similar taste yes um, uh, there are some movies that I probably like, and you kind of scratch your head. (laughs) And vice versa, I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, the movie we're going to talk about today is about a drama. Yeah. Last week, I did Airplane. Mm -hmm. And Airplane in the top five funny movies of all time for me. This movie in the top five movies... Period for oh, me. yeah.
1: We're going from uh, silly and ridiculous to, you know, a thought provoking, redemptive. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Great movie. The movie we're going to talk about is the Shawshank Redemption. Yes.
0: This is a great movie uh, based, of course, on a Stephen King short story. Rita Hayworth and Shawshank Redemption, part of a book called Different Seasons. Mm-hmm. The movie was released October 14th, 1994 in the U.S., and it grossed just twenty eight point three million dollars domestically. Now, pretty modest box office, considering kind of the critical acclaim and how often you see it on TV and all that. Right. It became one of the highest rental money makers of Mm -hmm. all time. Uh, In fact, it was the most rented video of 1995, directed by Frank Darabont, who's done a a couple of really good movies. Mm -hmm. In fact, another really good movie based on a Stephen
1: King story. Right. uh, The Green Mile. Yeah. The running joke, I think, for a while was uh, if you want somebody to do a Stephen King prison movie, (laughs) Frank Darabont is your guy. Yeah, he's the guy for sure.
0: Yeah, so he wrote the screenplay in addition to directing the movie. He wrote it in eight weeks. Movie, of course, stars Tim Robbins and Morgan Freeman. Pretty long, two hours, 20 minutes, longer than most movies. Even so... I can't get enough of this movie. I can watch this movie over and over again. I never get tired of it. It's one of those
1: movies, you will stop what Mm -hmm. you're doing. And no, I I can't go out right now. Shawshank Redemption is on. I got to watch this.
0: Yeah. And the funny thing about it, too, is that, um, you know, it seems like it's on TNT all the time, right? Yes. There's a reason for that. I'll bet there is. And I'll (laughs) bet you're going to explain why. I am going to explain why. All right. Ted Turner sold the television rights to TNT, his own network, for much lower than normal, making it very inexpensive to show. So that's why if you are flipping through the channels. You come across TNT maybe seven times out of ten. Shawshank Redemption <laughs> yeah, is on. Right. You know, especially certain times of the year, too. So tell me a little bit about your experience with the
1: movie. Do you remember when you saw it for the first time? I do. My recollection is is this. I'm one of those rare animals in the Shawshank Redemption world. Most of the people who say that they love the Shawshank Redemption say, I love this movie. They didn't actually see this movie in the movies. That's true. Most people who love this movie probably saw it at home, on video, on tape, on DVD, television, whatever. Uh, I saw it in the theaters when it was out my friend Janelle and Janelle if you're listening to this I apologize I don't remember if we were dating at the time where we were you know just friends but uh, <laughs> <laughs> Janelle and I went to see the Shawshank Redemption in the theaters uh, she's as much of a movie nut as you and I are and we were kind of well I don't know it's kind of a, a weird title it's a long prison movie <laughs> uh, what the hell we got nothing to lose <laughs> so we went to see the Shawshank Redemption and The movie ends and the credits are rolling. I think I'm crying. She's crying. (laughs) And as the credits roll, we kind of look at each other like, what did we just watch? (laughs) Did we not just watch the greatest movie we've ever seen? Yeah. And we actually sat there in our seats in the theater as the credits rolled and we... Talked about it. If there's a movie that's meant for conversation, it's definitely this one. Absolutely. So many different uh, themes ways you can talk about this. Uh, I, I remember it very, very
0: vividly. I feel that this movie is kind of an emotional roller coaster of sorts. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's a couple of moments that are kind of funny, uh, but for the most part, you know, it really takes you up and down and, and all over the place. Yeah. There's a couple of scenes in particular that you're watching and they just blindside you. Yeah. You know, and I don't know if I want to, you know, sometimes I'm, I'm afraid to talk about particular scenes of a movie because in case there's somebody who hasn't seen that movie, you know, I don't want to ruin like a big plot
1: point in the movie. Sure, it's a fair point. There may very well be people out there who, who haven't yet seen it uh, all the more reason you should go see this movie yes you should
0: definitely check it out this movie was nominated for quite a few oscars mm-hmm. seven to be exact best picture best actor morgan freeman best screenplay best cinematography best sound best film editing best music original score guess how many oscars this movie won i'm gonna go with precisely Zero, zero is correct oh. hard to believe it's, it's hard to believe it's amazing to me yeah This was up against Forrest Gump, the year Forrest Gump pretty much swept at the Oscars. Mm -hmm. Uh, That won Best Picture, Tom
1: Hanks won Best Actor, Zemeckis won Best Director. And the, the, (sighs) the kicker about this, about the Academy Awards is, if you watch any of the supplemental material on the DVDs, when they ask Tim Robbins and Morgan Freeman, what attracted you to this film? They both, without hesitation, say, this is probably the greatest script I've ever been handed, and I'm pretty sure Frank Darabont was nominated for uh, a Best Adapted Screenplay Mm -hmm. Oscar, and he didn't even win that.
0: Oh, wow. Yeah, I mean, you know, even though it didn't win Oscars, uh, it actually is ranked at number one on the top 250 movies list as voted by regular IMDb users. Yeah. I mean, the
1: public has spoken. <laughs> They've oh, the, chosen uh, this. <laughs> the jury, uh, the jury is out. The in the in the court of public opinion, uh, the Shawshank Redemption is definitely number one. You know, it's interesting.
0: We're talking about how the movie flew under everybody's radar in the theaters. Yeah, and you have to wonder if the Academy were, were part of that. You know, maybe the Academy kind of half-assed it when they were screening it. You know, maybe they were like, "Oh, Forrest Gump's going to win everything anyway, so you yeah, know, fuck
1: Shawshank. Let's just you know go with Forrest Gump." Could very well be. You got a, a two and a half hour prison movie yeah. with, with a confusing title. What the hell's a Shawshank? Is it about <laughs> exactly. what's? Uh, it's- yeah,
0: yeah. I mean, I remember. You know, I totally missed it when it was in the theaters too, mm-hmm. and and I was one of the. You know, I'll admit it. I was one of those people that was caught up in the Gump, uh, you know, hype. Sure, I, I really enjoyed Forrest Gump when I saw it, and I remember um, woman I was dating at the time. Her brother said, "Oh, you got to see Shawshank Redemption. It's yeah, amazing. Yeah. It's it's better than Forrest Gump. But it should definitely win Best Picture." I'm like, right. oh, better than Forrest Gump? Get out of here! Nonsense. That's ridiculous. <laughs> sure enough, when I watched it, I was like, wow, yeah, just blown away. So yeah. yeah, so that's my recollection of seeing it for the first time. And I've seen it probably at least a dozen times. Oh, at I would, least
1: I would say this. This is also you have to remember that this is released in and is up for Oscars at the same time Pulp Fiction. Oh is. yeah. Uh, so you had both the, uh, I mean, I guess you could say in a way Shawshank Redemption was was cursed to yeah. be up for awards the same year of the Forrest Gump juggernaut mm-hmm. and also everybody kissing Quentin Tarantino's ass over Pulp Fiction being the greatest thing uh, that people had ever seen. And which it, is it,
0: also a great movie, by the way. It is.
1: It's, it is also a great movie, and I'm certainly not knocking Pulp Fiction. Uh, I think Pulp Fiction won the Oscar for Best Original Screenplay I think that you're right. year. And I want to say Forrest Gump, which won a ton of awards was the best adapted screenplay winner that year, taking it away from Frank Darabont.
0: Okay. Despite all of the ignoring from the Oscar people, right. Morgan Freeman has actually called it his favorite movie that he's ever been in. Mm-hmm. Now, he's won Oscars. Yes, he for has. For a couple of other roles. Yes. This is his favorite. Mm-hmm. Rob Reiner, who's a great director. We had a conversation about Rob Reiner off microphone a while ago. <laughs> right. During One of our many uh, bargain bowling nights yes, at the bar- bowling alley. Exactly. Exactly. We were talking about how, you know, how many great movies Rob Reiner did, particularly yeah. in the 80s. Right. Uh, but he loved Frank Darabont's script so much that he offered $2.5 million for the rights to the script so he could direct it. Okay. And although Darabont seriously considered his offer, he really thought that this was his chance to kind of shine and do something really great by directing
1: it himself. So, nice. So there you go. But... Also, uh, Rob Reiner's connection to this movie. Uh, the movie was uh, financed and put out by uh, Castle Rock, right? Castle Rock Productions, and Castle Rock had essentially been built upon another adaptation of a <laughs> Stephen King novella. Of course, I
0: think you're talking about Stand By Me. I aren't may you? very
1: well be talking about Stand By Me. <laughs> it's uh, another great movie. Another great movie directed by Rob Reiner, based mm-hmm. upon the Stephen King novella uh, The Body. Yep. And one of the reasons why uh, I want to say Frank Darabont took it to Castle Rock. Castle Rock was the first and only studio he took this to because he assumed that Castle Rock, but what they had done with Stand By Me, they would do it right. Yeah. And they did. Yeah.
0: I mean, there's so much that goes on in this story that you need at least two and a half hours to cover it all. Yeah.
1: But it's, it's, really, it's really amazing. Great stuff. Uh, Frank Darabont, from what I understand, was contractually obligated to turn in at least a two-hour movie. Okay. I think he said. And the studio, even though they didn't specifically put this in his contract, the studio gave this guy, this basically unproven writer-director, uh, they gave him Final Cut. Oh, wow. Frank Darabont had Final Cut of the film. Okay. And the film, speaking of Final Cut, the film's original ending in his script right, you know, was not the ending you see in theaters. Oh, interesting. Was not the ending you see in theaters. Well, I don't want to give away the ending the actual ending of the
0: movie. Okay. So, uh the prison that was used for the exterior shots uh as Shawshank for the movie, the Ohio State Reformatory, now actually serves as a museum. Right. Several set pieces remain intact in the prison, including the tunnel that Andy crawled out of and, and the warden's office. Most of the interior shots were done on a soundstage because it costs less to build a replica
1: than renovate the actual prison. Right, so the, the prison was pretty run down that, that yeah, they shot in. They built it. Uh, I think they built the uh, the interior sets in a warehouse, not too far from the actual prison where they shot all of the exteriors. Okay.
0: Casting is always an interesting thing to me when I, when I do the research for the podcast. Yeah. And, you know, especially a movie like this, because... We've grown to love the particular actors that play these key roles. Mm-hmm. I can't imagine anybody but Morgan Freeman. Oh, of course not. You know, as Red. And Tim Robbins is, is phenomenal. Yes. I mean, he's just, you talk about a guy that, that's probably pretty underrated as an actor.
1: Yeah. He's great in this. He's, he's wonderful in The Shawshank Redemption. Uh, has listed this among uh, the his favorite films that he's ever been involved in. Uh, this, Bull Durham, and Mystic River. <laughs> okay. He lists in his top three favorite films or best, uh, you know, filmic experiences that he's ever had. Yeah,
0: and, and each one of those probably was uh, pretty key to his career, too, yes. in a lot of ways. And his personal life, too. Bull Durham is where he met Susan Sarandon. Susan they had a, Sarandon. a great life together for quite a while. So. Yes, they did. So in terms of casting, uh, there were some other people that were considered for the different roles in this movie, mm-hmm. like most movies. Clint Eastwood, Harrison Ford, Paul Newman, and Robert Redford were all considered for the part of Red. Now you're going, well, gee, that's kind of interesting. Well, in the original Stephen King story, Mm -hmm. Red is a middle-aged Irishman with graying red hair. Mm -hmm. However, Frank Darabont always had Morgan Freeman in mind because uh, of his authoritative presence,
1: demeanor, and deep voice. Yeah, I could listen to Morgan Freeman read fortune cookies, the phone book. Um, I, I don't care. Uh, in fact, in an interview I saw with Morgan Freeman once, he said, you won't believe how many commercials I get offered that I turn down all the time because people seem to believe what I say when I say it and you know I wouldn't be able to sleep at night if I thought people were buying crap just because I said they should buy it I believe it look yeah. the man's played God in a movie too. <laughs> yes so, he has um you know the interesting thing
0: about Morgan Freeman too about his voice is that there's a whole industry in the voiceover world of people who are soundalikes right for Morgan Freeman right uh, I wish I had that talent. <laughs> Dear God, I'd love to be able to, to you know break into a Morgan Freeman voice anytime. You, you and I both, man. Oh, I, I man. have tried and failed repeatedly. Yeah. And that's the thing. That's the kind of, a, a I guess, a blessing and a curse if you're somebody like him. Mm-hmm. Because people can imitate him, all the things that he turns down, they get. Exactly. Right, right. So so it's still, people don't know the difference. I mean, I mean I've mean, i heard guys that sound just like him. I mean, sure. it's amazing. So um, Andy Dufresne. There were a couple of different actors. Andy Dufresne. See, that? that's as yes, good as it gets, yeah. man. Sorry about that. I remember the first time I saw Andy Dufresne. <laughs> he yeah. was
1: pitching for the Durham Bulls. <laughs> oh, it's just horrible. I'm going to stop it. It's just <laughs> Dear not, God. Good. It not good. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I told him to throw a number one. <laughs> threw a number two. I'll and probably. then... And then he crawled
0: through number 2. He <laughs> crawled through number 2. <laughs> Nicely done. So Tom Hanks, Kevin Costner, Tom Cruise, Nicolas Cage, Johnny Depp, and Charlie Sheen were all considered for the part of Andy. Uh, Tom Hanks, I can kind of imagine. The others, I don't know. Maybe it's,
1: it's it's weird with 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 hindsight. Like you said earlier, I can't picture anyone else right. but Tim Robbins in the role now and uh, apparently Morgan Freeman couldn't picture anyone else in the role either. He was the the first one to sign on and of course the movie really does hinge on his his gravitas and mm-hmm. his voice and his narration. <laughs> they supposedly gave Morgan Freeman a list of people that they were considering for the part of Andy and oh, okay. Morgan Freeman looked at them all and pointed to Tim Robbins. Wow. This is what he told Charlie Rose. On an interview uh, for the 10th anniversary of the Shawshank Redemption. Wow. So they handed me a list. I looked at the actors whose names I won't mention, but i's that guy, Tim Robbins.
0: Wow. That's pretty awesome. Yeah. If you're if you're Tim Robbins, you've got to be feeling pretty good about yourself. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> no doubt about it. The irony is that Tom Hanks turned down the role because he was committed to Forrest Gump. Uh, Not a bad choice. No, no. It worked out pretty well for him. It was the second Oscar in a row and you know and everything else. Kevin Costner liked the script a lot, but he was uh in the middle of filming Waterworld, which turned
1: out Yeah, really
0: talk about a piece of shit
1: movie. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah,
0: it's kind of funny though, because uh Costner of course worked with Tim Robbins and Bull Durham. Yes. I guess Hollywood is kind of a small community, huh? So the role of Tommy Williams, who uh, that's played by Gil Bellows in the movie, was intended for Brad Pitt, uh, who instead played the lead role in Interview with the Vampire the same year. Okay. The man sitting behind Gil Bellows on the bus is Dennis Baker,
1: a former warden of the Ohio State Reformatory where most of the film was shot. Yeah, the warden asked them if he could have a small role, and the producer said, "Oh, well, of course. What do you want to play?" Said, "I, I, I think it would be uh, kind of cool if I played a convict." Right. But if you'll notice. They didn't let him play a convict in a convict's uniform. Okay. Everybody on the bus in that scene is in plain clothes. Okay, that makes because sense. they're on their way into Shawshank.
0: Ironically, also Clancy Brown, who plays the corrupt head guard uh, Captain Hadley, <laughs>
1: oh man,
0: <laughs> who's awesome, in this just movie. a
1: great bad guy. I, I would he's argue he's a terrific character actor. Just such amazing. a great character actor, Clancy Brown. Uh, I would argue that uh, Clancy Brown and Bob Gunton, Captain Hadley and Warden Norton, together, uh, one of the the best <laughs> on screen villain duos oh, man. ever ever and i
0: stand by that oh absolutely i mean they're both amazing yeah. but uh but brown actually made his film debut opposite sean penn in 1983's bad boys that's right. playing a prisoner
1: in a juvenile delinquent facility yes he was great in that too by the way yeah he was that's Very that's cool. another good movie so he, he comes full circle i'll quote frank darabont said that no one plays malevolent ass kicking quite like clancy brown he's really convincing yeah he is
0: and the mugshots of a young looking Morgan Freeman that are attached to his parole papers are actually pictures of Morgan's son Alfonso yes and Alfonso also has a cameo in the movie as a con in the prison yard shouting fresh fish fresh fish today
1: as Andy and the new inmates are being let in that's exactly. right exactly
0: so we were talking about the uh, the voiceover world and, you know, a big part of this movie is all the stuff that you hear Morgan Freeman saying when he's not on camera. Right. Which, you know, in itself is such a an Oscar worthy performance. Now, I know, you know, being a voiceover artist, maybe I'm a little biased, mm-hmm. but but he's so good at making you feel
1: stuff without even seeing his face. And that's, yeah, that, that's saying something. Yes. There are a lot of movies where uh, the narration is isn't really necessary, it's it's, it's a hammy device, it's too expository, Mm -hmm. but I can't picture the Shawshank Redemption without Morgan Freeman's, you know, um, omnipotent, soothing voice. (laughs)
0: Usually the voiceover narration for a movie is recorded afterwards, but it was recorded before filming began and then was played on set to dictate the rhythm of each scene. It was recorded in an Iowa recording studio in about 40 minutes. Unfortunately, there was some sort of a minor hiss on the track so they had to go back in and re-record it later on. Always record your tracks on good equipment. There you go. So the movie opens. It's a combination of a couple things happening that's, that's setting up the story. First, you know, they show Andy in court for the murder of his wife and mm-hmm. her lover. And then they're kind of retelling the story of how it all happened. Right. right. So there's a few close-up shots of Andy's hands... Throughout the film, one of them is during that scene when they're showing him loading the revolver in the opening scenes. And and then later on, when he's carving his name into his cell wall, those scenes are not actually Tim Robbins' hands. Right. Those were inserts done later, right? Yeah. And whose hands are they? They are the director's hands, Frank Darabont. Indeed they are. And the reason they did that, because Darabont felt that he could do exactly what he wanted. It, It was just too hard, too complicated for him to you know, say, here, move your hand this way. Mm-hmm. He just felt it was just easier. And honestly, who's going to know the difference? Oh, that's, that's not Tim Robbins' hands? Right, right. <laughs> so I thought that was pretty cool when I read that. Another pretty cool scene, too, is when... I think it's pretty early on when Andy and Red meet. I think they have met at this point.
1: This is after Andy has made it through the night without breaking. Right. Morgan Freeman loses the bet. And he, in the morning roll call the next morning... When Morgan Freeman steps out of his cell, he kind of shoots Andy the look of death because Andy has cost him, I think it was, two packs of cigarettes. Right. And then one of the next scenes is they're, they're out in the courtyard and Red is throwing the ball. And he says it was however many months before he finally said something. And it right. turns out the first person he said something to
0: was me. Oh, okay. That's right. In that scene, Morgan Freeman is throwing a baseball. Mm-hmm. That scene took nine hours to shoot. <sighs> Now, if you can imagine throwing a baseball for nine hours, probably not in a row. I mean, there's probably little breaks here and there. But over the course of nine hours, even with breaks, you're throwing the ball a lot. Well, Morgan Freeman threw the baseball that whole time. He didn't complain. His arm was hurting so bad the next day he had to wear a sling. Wow. There's a guy dedicated to his craft. Yeah, professional. Absolutely. So another
1: cool scene with Andy involves the character of Brooks. Brooks is one of my favorite characters in the movie, played by the uh, the incredible, the legendary, the well-respected character actor James Whitmore. There's a uh, there's a scene when Andy arrives in the library for the first time, and he comes in, and there's a a crow, and it's Brooks's crow, and the crow's named Jake. And Tim Robbins had to time his line, "Hey Jake, where's Brooks?" so that the crow wouldn't squawk over him, and. Tim Robbins had gotten so accustomed to when the crow would squawk that he was able to time his line. And he timed it just perfectly because the bird couldn't be trained to squawk on cue. So Tim Robbins had to learn the bird squawking patterns. Next time you watch the movie, watch as Tim Robbins waits to say his line until after the bird squawks. It's like blinking. You miss it. But if you're paying attention, you can catch it. And that's the
0: cool thing about doing the research and looking up all these facts is that then you can go back and go, oh, wow, look at that. Right. It's really cool, especially for a movie that you've seen, you know, a bunch of times. That, like you said, if you blink, you miss it. Right. So it's pretty cool, and you know, there's an old expression: "Don't work with kids and animals."
1: <laughs> <laughs> Movies yeah. or, or on stage. Like WC Fields, yeah. yeah. Kids and animals,
0: yeah, because they're both hard to control. And yeah. you know, bird, forget it. They're you know, not much going on upstairs in a bird's mind, for no.
1: <laughs> sure. And and speaking of of animals, mm-hmm. there's uh, there's a story on the set about. Uh, when Jake is a baby and he's in Brooks's kind of coat pocket and mm-hmm. he finds a, a maggot in his food and Brooks says... <laughs> are yummy. You gonna, yeah. <laughs> said, are, are you going to eat that? And he gives it to Brooks and Brooks feeds it to the crow, Jake. Uh, the American Humane Association <laughs> insisted that the maggots Brooks feed uh, to Jake... They have to have died of natural causes. They weren't allowed to feed Jake a live maggot. They could only feed him a dead one. And the maggot was not allowed to be killed for purposes of being fed to a crow. It had to have died of natural causes. Now, I don't know if they brought the county coroner in to do an autopsy to figure out if the maggot had died of natural causes, but um, what's even more unbelievable than that is the filmmakers said, okay. All right, so we are about to... Start talking
0: about some big plot points in the movie that are spoilers. So if you haven't seen the movie, thanks for listening, but stop the podcast now and go watch the movie. If you haven't seen the movie,
1: what the hell's wrong with you?
0: <laughs> so uh, <laughs> Andy is, is talking about escaping with red because, uh, you know, some shit goes down with the warden and the warden's really making his life really bad. <laughs> right. Right.
1: Notice how my buddy Jason is trying to be really coy about this. He's trying so hard not to give away any spoilers. I say to hell with that nonsense. See, that's the thing. With any of the podcasts that I've done, you know, we talk about certain things, but
0: I try not to give away the entire movie. Oh, we gonna give it away. So, um, so Andy decides he's he's got to get out of this prison, cause, right? Because why, Jason? Because the warden's a cock. Because the warden's a dick. <laughs> warden's a dick, and he's putting him in solitary for a month at a time, and right. it's it's a whole thing. So, so it's, it's a whole thing. <laughs> a whole, get it? It's like this whole thing. Oh my god! <laughs> speaking of, speaking of whole things. How about, whole thing? how about the sisters, the sodomists? The sisters uh, are taking quite a liking to you. <laughs> oh, man. thats They don't actually show penetration, but there's some some really horrible scenes. It's with the-
1: violent. Uh, I, I like how it's not gratuitous. It's left to your imagination, which often is much more powerful than showing you the real thing. And that combined with some of the voiceover mm-hmm. narration that Red does. Uh, yeah, you definitely get the impression that Andy is... Uh, having a rough time of it in yes. the beginning when he gets there. Yes.
0: With the with the sisters. <laughs> We're going all over the place here. I love it. So all right, so when, when Andy's finally had enough and he's like, I gotta get out of here. Because right. I'm innocent. Did mm-hmm. we mention that he's completely innocent of the
1: S- of the crime that he's in prison for? Spoiler alert. Don't <laughs> look we told you if you haven't seen the movie yet, two things. One, what the hell's wrong with you? And two, you need to go see it. So I got you, no sympathy for you if you haven't seen The Shawshank Redemption. I'm sorry. Right. No sympathy. It's on TNT every other day for crying out right? loud. It's probably on right now. <laughs> Stop <laughs> listening to this. Go turn on TNT. You can see The Shawshank Redemption. <laughs> if you tune in halfway through, keep watching. Because when it's over, it's like on an endless loop that's on right. TNT. You'll be able to see it again.
0: That's right. We're going to be here as long as the movie runs If by the time I get to my point here. Right. This so, podcast is two hours and 22 minutes. That's right. So Andy finally decides to escape. Red describes Andy's dream of escaping as a shitty pipe dream.
1: Nice. Was that good? Wow. You know, for a second, for (laughs) a second, I thought Morgan Freeman was here. For a second. (laughs) (laughs) During his escape
0: to live that dream. What does he do? Andy crawls through the sewer pipe of the prison
1: through 500 yards of shit smelling foulness as red says yes so literally a shitty pipe yes so there you go nice long way to go to get to that right. one too <laughs> but we made the connection and aren't by you way, glad you stuck around to hear it by the way it was chocolate syrup
0: was it really that's what i read so it must be true so after andy's escape the warden uh, wants them the question red and when they call to open red cell they shout open 237 This is the same number from two other movies based on Stephen King stories, The Room and the Shining, and the amount of change, $2.37, that the four boys in Stand By Me, which we mentioned
1: earlier, collect between them. This is why a movie like The Shawshank Redemption is worth repeated viewings, Mm -hmm. not just because it's a great movie, but when you learn these facts, you go back and, and you pick out things that you didn't know before, and it enriches your experience of watching the film. There are there are a bunch of things like this all throughout the movie. When the warden flips through Andy's Bible after his escape, he finds the, the cutout space where Andy's digging tool, his rock hammer, was hidden. Uh, and it's hidden, appropriately enough, in the book of Exodus, uh-huh. the book in the Old Testament, which tells the story of you know, the Hebrew slaves escaping from Egypt. And Exodus literally means to escape or depart. So I loved when I saw that in the movie. And I thought, Andy, he's sneaky, sneaky, sly, son sly of bastard. <laughs> so he's, he's a smart guy. I mean, he, he's a really, really smart to, to guy. To quote Red, about as smart as they come.
0: Absolutely. When Andy and the other prisoners that arrived to Shawshank with him mm-hmm. first get there, I love the line, That the warden says, you know, when he's given his, uh, I guess, the same speech he gives to all the prisoners.
1: That is such a chilling, chilling introduction to a character. And that's Andy's uh, first welcome to the prison. I believe in two things. Discipline in the Bible. Here you'll receive both. Put your trust in the Lord. Your ass belongs to me. And then he says, welcome to Shawshank. Very nice. Oh, man. And you want to talk about the
0: hypocrisy. This guy yes. always, you know, talking about God and Jesus and mm-hmm. salvation and everything else. Here's a guy who is about as corrupt as anybody in the world. You could argue that the
1: warden is the worst <laughs> criminal in the prison. That's probably true, yeah. The worst criminal in the prison Absolutely. is the man in charge of the prison. And I love the, uh, the delicious irony of the fact that um, it's referenced a couple times in the film. The I, I guess it's the tapestry the warden's wife makes him up on his wall. Mm-hmm. His judgment cometh and that right soon and that he's using that to cover up the secret of his corruption. Right. You know, uh, both Andy and the warden, it's cool how they're they're counterparts to each other. They both have secrets. Both Andy and the warden each have a hole in their wall. That's right. When they keep their secret, Uh, Andy's is covered by a poster. The warden is covered by a religious message. And he's about the least Christian person there. He's terrible. Ah, <laughs> just an awful person. He really
0: is. It's just a, it's just a great juxtaposition of, of themes there. Yeah, and then of course Hadley, the head guard, yeah, is the enforcer of the biggest scumbag in the prison. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> oh, so good. Great such stuff. a, such man. a great movie. Great stuff. So, what other things about the movie really stand out for
1: you? You had mentioned earlier that even though the Shawshank Redemption, it's uh, it's a pretty serious film, there are moments of levity. Mm-hmm. in it and there has to be it, right there, there has to be some laughs there have to be some moments where both the characters and the audience can kind of catch their breath right. even if only for a few seconds one of my, my favorite laughs in the movie and again it's one of those blink and you miss it after andy fills the prison yard with music yes fr- from the opera we, we can talk about that later andy is thrown in the hole i think for a month right and when he comes back He sits down at the table and uh, the great character actor Bill Sadler, who plays Haywood, he looks at Andy and he says, why didn't you play something better like Hank Williams? And without missing a beat, Andy says, well, they broke the door down before I could take requests. (laughs) That's one of my favorite lines in the film, man. Very funny. And and speaking of interesting film facts, again... This is why you need to listen to a podcast like this, because you learn more about the film, you go back and watch it again, and it enriches your your viewing experience. I'd like to think so. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. Otherwise, what am I doing here?
0: <laughs> Aside from sweating your ass off, it's hot in here. Ah, it's aight. It's aight. It's yeah.
1: that, that scene where Andy plays the, the record of the opera, Frank Darabont said that specific passage from the Mozart opera, the The Marriage of Figaro, He would listen to that. He wrote the script for the Shawshank Redemption at a time where he was just really getting into opera. And that particular passage from that particular part in the opera, he said, it never failed to lift my spirits. It never failed to to lift my heart. It never failed to take me away to another place or to make me cry. And when that scene in the Shawshank Redemption came up, I said, I need that that particular specific arrangement of oh, that wow. specific with those specific singers that's what i want andy to play in the yard makes sense yes and it's a it's a really powerful scene it's in the movie it's one of the beautiful. most talked about scenes it's, it's one of the scenes that people when they talk to frank darabont about the movie they always comment to him and remark about that scene
0: in fact i remember they do a vignette of each film for the best picture mm-hmm Uh, during the Oscar ceremony, and I believe that was the scene that they showed to represent Shawshank Redemption.
1: What a scene to show. Oh, God. Another little aside about that scene... The part where Andy leans forward and turns the music up, that's all Tim Robbins. Great. That's all great. Tim. I wasn't, that wasn't, that wasn't, wasn't in the script original it. script. Tim Robbins said, you know, I just, that's
0: what Andy would do. I love improvisation like that in a yeah. movie. When you, when you hear that that was just something that they came up with on their own. It's yeah. great stuff.
1: That's why, you know, casting is half the battle, man. Mm-hmm. You uh, you get the right group of actors and they can elevate the material off the page into something really, really sublime. Oh, and that, that's absolutely. that's what I think they did with the Shawshank Redemption. Even the character actors, uniformly, the ensemble acting in this movie is spot on first rate. It's phenomenal. Yeah. So one of the other themes in the movie
0: is that guys are in prison for so long that they just become institutionalized yeah. in the sense that they're they're so used to being told where to be, what to do mm-hmm. all the time that
1: if they do happen to get paroled, they don't know how to live. Right, the only life they know are the rules and regulations that they've been following for so long, and nowhere is that exemplified better than in the character of Brooks. Yeah. Very, very sad. Uh, Like, when he gets paroled, He doesn't know how to live. Yeah. I mean, he's like, he's a really old man at that point. He's like
0: probably in his seventies or maybe even in his eighties at that point. He's been in prison 50 or more years. Mm -hmm. He finally gets paroled. And when he finds out that he's paroled, he pulls a shank on one of the other prisoners. Right. He pulls a shank on Haywood. Yeah. And he's, you know, he says, I'm going to kill this guy so I don't have to leave. Right. Because I don't want to go out there in the real world. They want to make me leave. They say, if I kill him, I can stay. (laughs) Exactly. Oh, man. Man, it's crazy. But so that doesn't happen. Right. He doesn't kill him. And he gets paroled. And he goes out. His clothes are out of style. Mm -hmm. When he was imprisoned, there were no cars. Right. There was nothing. And now he gets out to the real world. Now, you know, again, the timeline in the movie, it's not like now. It's not modern day. But for a guy that's been in prison for 50 or more years. Since the
1: early 1900s to be let out in the 50s or 60s. A lot of shit has gone down. Yeah. (laughs) I think the line Brooks uses is, the world has gone and caught up with itself in a big damn hurry. Yes. One of the things that just absolutely... Breaks my heart and blink and you'll miss it. After Brooks is paroled, he's on a bus being brought to, I guess, the the halfway house right. where he's going to carve his name in the ceiling. Right. And if you look as Brooks is sitting on the bus, Brooks is with with both of his hands. He's he's like white knuckling it yeah, the on seat. the on the back of the seat in front of him. And he looks so frail and so scared sure. and so uncertain about the future. And James Whitmore doesn't say a word in the scene. I think there may be some of his voiceover going on. Right. But everything you need to know about how uncertain and scared and institutionalized he is is all in that old man's face. I'm telling you. Go back, watch the scene again. It's heartbreaking.
0: Now you're making me think of the scene in my head, and I'm going, yeah. So Brooks finally decides that he just can't hack life on the outside. Mm-hmm.
1: So I'm not going to stay. I'm not going to stay, I'm, yeah. I've decided I'm not going to stay. He
0: writes a letter and mails it to the prison. To the guys. To the guys yeah. in the prison. Tim Robbins is reading the letter, and
1: he hangs himself. Right. Which they show. Which is which they show, yeah. and which Brooks doesn't say he's going to do in the letter but right. the guys inside they know they know what he's they talking about they get it they get it
0: one of the guys i don't know if it was haywood the guy that that he put the the shank to mm mm-hmm. Or if it was one of the other guys, why would he kill himself? He's out. And, and then Morgan Freeman says, in here, he was an important man. Right.
1: He was a respected man. He was he an was educated a, man.
0: Yeah, he ran the library. Mm-hmm. and He you know, he helped people learn how to read and this right. and that. Out there, he's, he's an, a used-up old con. Right, with arthritis in both his hands. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah, and he can't keep up at the grocery store where he works. Right. So you don't think about that. And then, later on in the movie... Red, Morgan Freeman's character, gets paroled finally. Right. And he goes out and they start showing him going through a lot of the same shit that Brooks went through. Right. And you go, oh man, this can't end bad for him too. That's going to really
1: suck. I hope not. It's like,
0: man. Yeah, because, you know, we really like Red. Not going to sit through two hours and 20 minutes to have them both kill themselves. Yeah, exactly. Come on. It's terrible. <laughs> Oof. So, you know, and in fact, there's a scene where, where uh, Red's working in the same grocery store. Same,
1: yes. He's in the same halfway, he's in the same room. Same room, exactly. That Brooks
0: is in. Yeah. And, you know, he's working in the same grocery store. And at one point he he asks his boss if he can, you know, go take a leak. And uh, you don't need to ask me every time you need to go take a
1: piss. Just go. okay?
0: Again, he's used to being told where where and when he can be and everything else when he's in prison. Forty
1: years I've been asking permission. Can't squeeze a drop without say so. Exactly. So, you know, you don't think about this.
0: And I'm sure it's the same way nowadays. You know, if you've done any kind of amount of time, Mm -hmm. it's probably a, a crazy adjustment. Sure. You know, especially if you're now an old man. When you went in, you were a young man. Right. So it's a whole different thing. So you read something that Frank
1: Darabont said. Yeah. We were talking about the idea of institutionalization. Mm -hmm. And here's a quote from Frank Darabont. He said, people have opened their hearts and embraced this movie in a way I find very moving and grateful. Some folks have taken it as a metaphor for their own lives, kind of a Rorschach test, where they project their own trials and tribulations onto it and then draw hope and strength from it one of the reasons why the shawshank redemption i think has endured as a movie for so long um as a metaphor in many cases uh, for people's like meaning of life and existence mm-hmm. is because to be institutionalized or to be incarcerated doesn't mean you have to be imprisoned. You may be going through something very, very difficult in your life, and it may seem like the walls are closing in on you. And For example, <laughs>
0: you may be in a bad relationship. Yes. You may have a job that you hate, working right. for an asshole boss <laughs> right. that you yeah. want to strangle on a daily basis. Right. And obviously, you can't do that, or you really will end up in a prison cell. Right. Um, so, there's, yeah, there's a lot of things that I think people uh, are in self-imposed prisons quite a bit sure. in life. Unfortunately, there's a fear that people have to go after things that they really believe in because sure. so-and-so tells them, oh, you can't do that mm-hmm. or whatever. And sometimes we settle in life.
1: Right. I've done it. You've done it. I've done it. I'd be willing to bet money that at that some point in everyone's life, to a certain extent or another, we have all done it. Fear of the unknown, being told by others, you're no good for this. You can't do that. So why bother trying? Why bother having, having hope? Uh, As Red says in the movie, hope is a dangerous hope, thing, hope is a dangerous thing, to which Andy counterpoints and says, no, hope is the best of things, maybe the best thing. And is that when he says, get busy living or get busy dying? That's, that is the central theme of the movie, if, if you're going to ask me, get busy living or get busy dying. And then Morgan Freeman says, it's goddamn right.
0: So if you find yourself in a self-imposed prison of any kind, take a look at that. And do something about it. Yep.
1: Hope is a good thing. And there is, as they say and prove in the movie, there is hope. When you think you're in a situation that you can't get out of when all seems lost, there is hope. Red finds it in Andy. Andy gives Red the strength and the courage to go on. And I'm willing to bet that
0: anybody listening right now has hopefully at least one person that they can turn to to pick them up when they're feeling, you know, like they, they're a little hopeless. Yes. Yes. And you know what? We have
1: to be able to find that within ourselves, too. We're getting a little philosophical here, but... This is one of the amazing things about the Shawshank Redemption. Mm-hmm. We're talking about a movie, and talking about this movie has led us to this. Right. And that's, Deep, man. And I'll tell you something. That
0: right there is the mark of some special art. Yes, it is. That's
1: That's amazing. That's one of the purposes of art. It's to challenge us it's to provoke us it's to make us think it's to to spark and foster conversation
0: i'm willing to bet right now that you're listening to this going god damn i want to watch the shawshank redemption again i hope so (laughs) i hope so too i don't think we can end the podcast any better than right now done deal thank you my friend Oh, thank you. This has been so much fun. And I promise the next time Tim and I do a podcast together, it's going to be a very silly movie. (laughs) We're going to completely (laughs) flip it on you. Absolutely. So check it out, The Shawshank Redemption. It's a great movie, and I'm sure it will inspire you the way it has inspired me and Tim. Yes. And if you have something that you would like to add to the conversation, please email screenfacts at yahoo.com. Please rate, comment, and subscribe on iTunes. Also, if you wouldn't mind sharing the podcast with your friends on Facebook or on Twitter or any social media, Spread the word. Please let people know about the podcast if you're enjoying listening as much as I am enjoying making these things for you. Please visit jasondavisvoice.com slash podcast. You can get more info about the podcast and also info about Screen Facts t-shirts. Ooh. ooh. Merchandising. Ooh. ooh, ooh, ooh. <laughs> nice plug for the swag. Baby. Hey, well, you know what? You know, nice. hey, that's the way you can help get the word out. That's right. What better way than to wear a, a super spiffy Screen Facts t-shirt? That's right. Get the word out. Buy swag. <laughs> So, Tim, again, thanks so much for being here, my Uh, brother from another mother. Thanks, buddy. This has been a lot of fun. And thank you for listening. Join me again next Wednesday for more Screen Facts with Jason Davis.